Welcome to the Breaking Into Startups podcast, where we teach you how to get high-paying jobs in tech in less than a year. 22 million Americans lost jobs in the last few weeks, and the United States of America is currently at about 15% unemployment. Unfortunately, less than three cents of every stimulus dollar has gone to U.S. workers so far, and we need to do better. That's why today we are interviewing Dan Friedman, co-founder of Thinkful, which is a job training program that is providing the best response to support workers that have been affected by COVID-19, also known as coronavirus, that we have seen ever. If Thinkful sounds familiar, you have probably heard our interview with the CEO, Daryl Silver, on the podcast, which you should definitely check out, or you might have heard our interview with the CEO of Chegg, Dan Rosenswag, which is the organization that acquired Thinkful that you should also check out. But if the $1,200 stimulus from the government is not enough and you've been laid off or furloughed and you're trying to figure out how to pay your bills, this episode is for you so that you can understand how to become a software engineer, a designer, or a data scientist without having to stress. I was actually reading an essay by Mark Andreessen called It's Time to Build that I also encourage you all to read um, this morning. And um, a line stood out to me. He said, you know, we know that one-on-one tutoring can reliably increase education outcomes by two standard deviations. So why haven't we built systems to match every learner with a tutor to dramatically improve student success. And the reason why that jumped out to me is because Thinkful has already built one-on-one tutoring online into their outcomes-driven training program, and they have been doing it for years. You're going to learn more about how you can take advantage about one with, with one-on-one tutoring. And if you want to learn more about job training programs like Thinkful, we encourage you to download the Career Karma app so you can join about 100,000 other people like you that are using the app to figure out which job training program is best for them, how to have the support they need to get unstuck whenever they get stuck, and how to feature the projects that they build into the Career Karma Network so we can connect you to thousands of recruiters at companies that are still hiring right now. If this is the first time that you have listened to the podcast, we encourage you to share it with your friends. Um, There's no such thing as a self-made person. You should never be coding in isolation and people don't get anywhere without other people. Now is not, I know we're all self-quarantined and we're all isolated, but now now is, is a time for collaboration over competition. Spread the word, tell your friends, like our Facebook page, leave a review in iTunes. And if you want to talk to us directly, you can send an email to Ruben Archer or Timor at breakingintostartups.com. Let people know this is not just about education. Career Karma is not just a company. It's a mindset. It's a movement. Tell your friends, spread the word, and let's break in. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10X. Yo, 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 this is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies Archer and Timor Meister. 
and this is the Breaking Into Startups podcast. Arthur, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yeah, so we're out here in San Francisco, self-quarantining, and um, our guest is joining us from New York. He's self-quarantining as well. This morning, the jobless claims just got announced, and it's a crazy time. Yeah, man, crazy time indeed. Like, like Arthur said, you know, last week, there was 3.3 million people that filed for unemployment. This week, it was 6.6 million. So 10 million Americans have lost their jobs in the last two weeks. It's the second day of April post-March 2020, which is one of the scariest times in American history. And people are saying that this is going to be the largest level of unemployment that our country has ever seen. But this podcast episode is not a story meant to be grim. It's a story of hope. And our, our guest is going to tell you all about what we're going to be doing to help these Americans and people that are, are just concerned about their futures um, and how we're going to help it out. So Timo, tell, tell the people who we're speaking with today. Yeah. So today we have a, we have a special guest, Dan Feedman. And Dan, is a, he's a co-founder of Thinkful. Dan has an interesting story. Having uh, also grown up in New York, like Arthur and I, he uh, always had a passion for uh, like math and sciences and he went to Yale. What's interesting about his story is that he ended up dropping out of Yale to become a Teal Fellow. And um, as everyone knows, it takes a lot of risk to quit something that's comfortable and jump into the unknown. So we're going to unpack that on the podcast. But most importantly, Dan found a Thinkful. And we've already interviewed the CEO of Thinkful, Daryl Silver, on the podcast before. So you can reference that episode for a deeper dive on Thinkful. But Thinkful is a coding bootcamp that provides online courses. And what's interesting is Thinkful is the first coding bootcamp that came out and created offerings for people who are impacted by COVID. And so our team wanted to interview Dan so he can share what they're doing and helping people start their part-time courses if they're unemployed or they lost their jobs. They're also giving away scholarships and they're expanding their stipends to to 50 different cities around this country. So we're going to unpack that on the podcast. But before we do so, I want to say hello, Dan, and um, welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about what uh, Thinkful does? Hey, thank you for having me. So Thinkful is an online program to help you get a job in software engineering, data science, data analytics, design, digital marketing, product management. We help people break into high growth careers and, and support them over years and years as they grow in those careers and do awesome work. Yeah. And we have a, with Career Karma, we have a large community and we have a number of people who are currently attending who have graduated from Thinkful. For people who are um, curious about different coding boot camps, I think what makes your program unique is the fact that you guys are online and you provide mentorship. Can you tell people a little bit about how you've designed your course to accommodate people's schedules and people's uh, ability to to actually do something like Thinkful to complete their career transition. Absolutely. So we have two types of programs, part-time programs that we call our, our flex programs, and then full-time programs that we call our immersion programs. Our full-time programs look a lot like traditional in-person programs, but they're offered online. So you don't have to commute and you can do it from anywhere. Our part-time programs are 
not cohort-based. Rather, you work one-on-one with a mentor. You're meeting that person twice a week. Um, you have support as you need it in things like office hours that are, av- that are available throughout the day. Um, so you're able to get help as you need it. You have the accountability to the person that you're working with through the whole program, your mentor. And ultimately, when you graduate, you're, you're matched with a career coach who supports you one-on-one through the whole job search as well. So the flexible program is designed to fit into the life of a busy adult um, who may have hours shifting at work, who may have childcare responsibilities that are a little bit inconsistent. Um, and the immersion program is designed to be the fastest path from here to there. Got it. So, right. you know, coronavirus, COVID-19 has forced our entire education system to go online, people to try to figure out how to get these remote jobs. Some people are tweeting like, man, I don't want to pay $80,000 to to go to college online. You know, what, what, what makes Thinkful different from college? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so we, we were very lucky in this moment to be, frankly, an online program. Um, most schools came into this moment and are now scrambling to just do what they were already doing in person and online. And we, obviously the world has changed, but we're able to just keep doing what we're doing. Um, so there's, there's a few things that differentiate us. The first is we are built natively online. Um, so when you're learning online, things like traditional lectures start to make a lot, make less sense because you can use recorded content instead of that and then use the group time to do working sessions instead. When you're working online, you're able to train to preparing for remote better as well. Um, so all of our students graduate much more comfortable with the tools and the ways of working and the communication skills necessary in a time like this. And then I would say that the third and the biggest thing is we look, we care a lot about sharing risk with our students. So if you go to college, the college expects you to be responsible for your own success and you're paying the full tuition bill regardless of that happen, of, of whether that happens. Um, for us, we've, we early on were one of the first programs to introduce a tuition reimbursement guarantee. Um, and we've continued to double down on that program for the last five years. Um, we, we were then one of the first programs to start working with income share agreements where students can defer paying until they get a job. Um, we were then, and, and I think now are the only program offering a living stipend as part of the income share agreement. Um, so we think a lot about aligning incentives between the school and the student and how that changes the behavior of the school and makes the school only admit students that can be successful, work with those students to be fully successful um, and have everything just fully aligned from start to finish between the student and the school. Yeah. And I also want to highlight that like instruments like income sharing, they also bring a ton of access to this type of education because people don't have to spend money up front. They, they can get a stipend and actually get paid to do something full time so they can complete this transition faster. I know uh, in the beginning, uh, in the intro, we said that you guys are doing something special. So in addition to the things you've already been doing, that's helping people transition, you have something now that you're offering to people who've been affected by COVID. Do you mind sharing what are those initiatives and how can people take advantage of that? Absolutely. The team is really passionate about being there for people who need us. And frankly, 
the need for what we do has never been greater. We, two, three weeks ago was probably the first of it, but it, we went from not hearing about it at all from our students, not hearing about it at all in admissions interviews to a few days in, it was 50% of calls were referencing it to a few days later, 90% of calls were referencing it. And for some people, it was a positive. They were stuck at home and, and wanted to start now. For others, it was a negative. They've now got kids at home that they need to take care of. But we were hearing from people who were right in the early days of, of starting to experience the economic impact of this. And you mentioned that in the job numbers, we've seen 10 million people file for unemployment in the last two weeks, which is massively more than, than any number we've seen in recorded history. So the team came together and basically said, what is the absolute most we can do for people here? How do we make it easier for people to give it a try? How do we make it possible for them to stick with it, even if they can't go back to work for a few months? Or if, frankly, in the middle of it, they, they are able to go back to work and that you know totally throws their schedule off. So we came up with three things that we can do. The first is you can do our flex program, our part-time program. Um, the first month will be free. And that means if you're excited about this, but don't have so much experience and, and want to just try it out, you can do it without any commitment. If you then want to continue and do the full program, you can use an income share agreement for it so that you don't pay anything until you're in a job. Um, that has been just in the... It became available two days ago, and we've already seen the first couple hundred people take advantage of that. Um, so we're, we're incredibly excited about that. And we're hearing from people all around the country who, who are out of work or have had part-time jobs with hours reduced. Um, so we're seeing a, a great need for that. The second thing we're doing is we're offering $4,000 scholarships to our full-time programs. So if you are in a position where you want to commit full-time, believe you can follow through with that over the next six months, um, we want to just do that at, as affordably as we can offer it. The third thing we're doing is we're doubling the number of cities where you can use an income share agreement. And that includes the option to take a living stipend. So over the three to six months of the course, um, you could go home with 1500 bucks a month to help cover some of your living costs while you're learning. Um, beforehand, we were offering that in effectively the largest 25 cities. And we're expanding that to be available now in 50 cities so that we can reach more Americans who, who need us. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's and, really cool. And again, for the, for the people that don't know what an ISA is, an ISA, again, is a, it's a promise to get you a job. If you don't get a job, you don't have to pay anything. And then the living stipend for the people that don't know is essentially money that you're getting monthly. So it's the $1,500 a month. And um, I think now that people are seeing all these different things happening in the labor market um, and stock market and things like that, um, what are your thoughts about just ISAs in general? How do you think that they're going to play out going forward? Is it risky? You think that they, like, how do you think that educators should be thinking about the ISA market in, in, a, in a time like this for people? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm sure there will be schools that slow down their offerings or pause them for now because they feel it's too risky or too uncertain what's going to happen. And of course, there is real risk out there. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to deny that, but. At the very beginning of this, the person on our team who manages our ISA program asked me if she should be looking at models to pull back on our ISAs or to pause offering them. And I gave her the opposite guidance, which is we need to be offering them in more places. We need to be offering them wherever we can because 
people need them now. And sharing risk is really easy when unemployment is 3.5%. But sharing risk really matters when unemployment is 10% and 15%. That is when we show up as a school. That's when, that's when we build our reputation. That's when we follow through for students more than ever. So we are absolutely planning to push ahead and, and lean forward in this moment. And I will say we're, we're incredibly lucky to have the backing of Chegg, um, which is the largest ed tech company in America with a very stable balance sheet, a profitable core business. And they acquired us last year and they, they're, they're very excited about income share agreements. They're excited about what we're doing for students in this time. And so we're almost certainly able to do more than we could as an independent company thanks to their support, thanks to being part of a larger company. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. If people want to we reference... Did interview, we did interview the CEO of Chegg on our podcast uh, so people can find that. And congrats also on that big milestone of of Thinkful being acquired by Chegg. Because like you said, it does give you more power to help more people. One thing I also want to emphasize for the Career Karma members is the $4,000 scholarship that Chegg is offering we also spoke to them and they're giving 50 of those scholarships to our community members. So if people want to take advantage of that, uh, just reach out to us or when you're interviewing with Thinkful, just mention that you're part of Career Karma uh, to take advantage of that. In terms of, Dan, in terms of the part-time courses, I want to bring it back and kind of emphasize that the one month is free. So for anyone who is wondering, like, how do I get started? Like, what does it entail? Can you break down the process, how people can take advantage of the part-time courses? And also, can you repeat like which courses people can take advantage of? Absolutely. So you can enroll for a month free in software engineering, data science, data analytics, UX design, and product management. Um, to find those, you can go to thinkful.com slash flex trial. And you'll have the option there to go through the enrollment flow and you're not putting a credit card down. It's fully free, no commitment. You'll go through an application which asks you about your circumstances. This is specifically for people who have lost jobs or lost income as part of the coronavirus crisis. So it, 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 there are some requirements you have to meet, uh, but it's, it's pretty lightweight. It only takes a few minutes and. And then you'll go directly into learning. So you go just right to the curriculum as soon as you hit enroll. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. And uh, can you also explain, like, I know with self-paced courses, you guys do have a mentor who helps you, who meets with you twice a week. Is that going to be also included in this free trial? Yep, it is. So you have to complete just the first couple of checkpoints first before you get matched because we, we obviously know there's going to be some people who enroll, but then don't engage too much further. And we don't want to waste instructor's time with folks who aren't going to show up. But if you just complete the first two lessons or so, you'll get matched with the mentor. And for the free portion, you'll meet with them once a week. And that goes through that first full month. Got it. Awesome. And um, you mentioned something that I think is super important to touch on that people might might miss, but I want to make sure to highlight the fact that Thinkful is the the only program that has a living stipend program across the country. There's a lot of debate about universal basic income. It's a debate that has gone on for a very long time. Even Dr. Martin Luther King was talking about this. Our government is a bipartisan issue, has been talking about this for a long time. Can you talk about why you all decided to focus on 
living stipends, your thoughts on universal basic income and, and why it's, it's, why why you think it's important right now and even before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we obsess over breaking down barriers so that people can invest in themselves and find success. And we we obviously are not a government. We don't we can't simply give money away. So the living stipend in a risk aligned way gets paid back for people who are successful. We and so it's it's part of the income share agreement. But the 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 same principle is is behind the living stipend as universal basic income, which is people need some level of security to be able to invest in themselves and to be able to take risk. And that security lets people make choices that they couldn't otherwise make. There are the data even before the current crisis is frankly really discouraging about how much of this country can take a month and even just a month and invest in themselves or withstand two weeks of, of pay disruption. I think it's something like a minority of Americans have, have that kind of savings. So we were hearing that more and more from people who wanted to do our part-time course, but full-time. And we were asking why, why, why? And the answer was basically, I need to maintain some level of income just to pay the bills. And if, if they could push that off, they 100% would. Um, and so we've seen big upticks in people being able to commit to the full-time program by having their living costs covered. And, and the, the stipend really enables that. Got it. And so now, now that you know, coronavirus, COVID-19 is like reshaping our entire education system, and even workforce in general, what are your thoughts on the future of education or even the future of labor? Like, do you think that colleges go away? Colleges start partnering with programs like yours to come up with some kind of more short form courses that are outcomes driven? Like, what are your thoughts on the future of education? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now is such an interesting moment to ask that because education tends to, to move more slowly than we all expect. You know, I think we, we all could have, we could have recorded this podcast six years ago and said, it's going to be moving online. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be fewer colleges, fewer people will go. And, you know, if we then were recording this a month ago, we would have said we were totally wrong. It turns out it's not really going to change that much. People are going to go to all the same colleges and all the same numbers. They're going to pay 5% more every year. And then suddenly here we are where effectively 100% of education in the US is online today. You know, we went from whatever percent, maybe it was 10% a month ago to 100% today. Um, that is a massive acceleration of the inevitable. People are going to now wonder, why did I pay $16,000? My courses were online and I, I was able to learn that way. It worked for me. I really shouldn't pay that much. Why am I going to spend the full four or five years getting a degree when the, the whole system has blown up? So this is massively accelerating the inevitable where online is much more present. We believe people are going to turn to and demand employability much more so from their, from their schools, especially because of the, the presence of the, the economic shock. Obviously, we don't know what will happen in, in the rest of this year, but we're expecting students to want to pay less and get more out of it from an employability perspective. And so that's what we're here to do is bring costs down and drive employability up. Yeah, I think the numbers are like what 1.3 or 4 billion students are now online across the over, all over the world now 
instantly, exactly. which is insane. Uh, exactly. And they're, and they're in, in programs that were prepared over a two week spring break. Yeah. <laughs> you know, professors, professors who have taught their class for 50 years in a lecture hall had one week to get ready and, and suddenly do it over Zoom. Yeah. yeah. And since you guys have been uh, kind of teaching online and you've seen what students do that makes them successful and then what are the pitfalls of online learning, do you mind sharing some of the advice for learners that are now getting adjusted to remote learning, what they can do to be more effective? Yeah, absolutely. So, so there's sort of advice for learners and advice for teachers. Um, for the instructors, the risk of disengagement is even greater online than it is in person. So if you thought your students looked bored in your in-person lecture hall, wait till you scan their faces on Zoom and notice that none of them are even looking at you anymore. They're all on a browser. They're, the distractions are just even more present. So the bar is higher for how engaging your classes have to be. There have to be exercises throughout the class. There have to be moments where you are, whether it's cold calling them, asking them to post their solutions in Slack, even if you're not checking them, you must be making your students do something active throughout the class to keep them engaged. On the learner side, even though all those distractions are there, um, you know, now, now is the time to turn on your self-control app. Uh, now is the time to create structure for yourself. There is an opportunity by being online. You don't have to commute. You're not faced with um, some of the other time demands of, of being in person. But you have to wake up and make your own schedule and set your own structure. And that's not a task that's demanded of you when you're in a more traditional environment. So you have to learn that skill. And frankly, that is such a powerful skill. And that is such a worthwhile thing. I know all of you probably had to do that when you switch from investment banking to running your own startup. But there's nobody telling you what to do anymore. And uh, so you have to... First thing every day is tell yourself what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's good advice, I think, across the board. And then there's, there's, there's higher education and then there's boot camps as well. And I know like there's a, diff a bunch of different players and I think the majority of boot camp players have been offline. Now they're going online. Do you have any thoughts about how the things are going to play out in the boot camp market and your thoughts are there? Any advice for anybody else? I know they're competitors, but technically like just kind of like in the market in general, like do you have thoughts about that? Yeah. I think a lot of it depends on how long it takes for in-person programs to reopen. I wouldn't expect many of them to become primarily online. That's a, that's a longer term, kind of larger investment. So I think if, if they can reopen their in-person programs in another month, it will largely go back to how it was, but maybe with online having a larger presence. If it takes four, five, six months to reopen, a lot of the smaller and mid-sized schools might feel pressure from that and, and some may not be able to survive that like many businesses as a whole. And frankly, it, it depends on you know, the, the depth of the government bailouts and the government support offered to small businesses. Um, the, if, they're, if they're covering the full gap, then people might be able to come out the other side more easily. Um, but if, it's, if it lasts four, five, six months, that's going to put a lot of pressure on their finances. Yeah. 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 Before uh, Dan, in terms of... Uh, so right now, there, there is a lot of uncertainty, right? And there's a lot of people who are staying at home and I even find this about myself. Now that I'm staying at home more, you're kind of a lot of people feel trapped in their apartments and they're looking for an escape. And a lot of the time that escape is Netflix or other form of inter entertainment. And um, 
I have to consciously tell myself that, like, how much time am I spending watching Netflix, right? Or uh, doing things like that. What advice do you have for people who might have the time to spend, whether it's watching TV or playing with their kids or um, investing in education, especially now, in order to position themselves for when this is all over, which is a matter of time. We don't know how long it's going to be, but we know it's going to come to an end eventually. What advice do you have for them so they're more prepared for um, what's going to come next? Yeah. One of the messages that actually triggered all of the work we're doing right now was in the first New York Times story about layoffs. This was probably three weeks ago. And they were just reporting on the, the first couple layoffs happening. The most upvoted reader comment was a waiter from New York who said, as long as my internet bill gets paid, I'm not going to waste this time at home. I'm going to take accounting classes and come out the other side of this in a better position. Now is absolutely a gloomy moment. And for people who are sick and, and who have to take care of people who are sick, there's, there's frankly no silver lining in this. But if you're, if you're fortunate enough where the question is, how many Netflix movies do I watch today? you are in a position to invest in yourself and you are in a position to spend that time so that you get to the other side of this, looking at jobs that wouldn't have had to lay you off in this moment um, and looking at jobs where maybe the office would be able to sustain you and at least in some part-time way. So now is a great moment to be investing in yourself. The way I create structure for myself, I'm also... I, I prefer to work from an office. Um, is every morning I, I lay out on my calendar how I expect to spend each hour and write down the specific tasks in those time blocks that I'm expecting to do. And that's a habit I've had since the, the very early days of starting Thinkful when I realized no one was going to tell me what to do and, and I had to start telling myself. So I just block my calendar every morning and decide at that point what are my priorities for the day. And, and I frankly follow my calendar like a sheep. So that works out well enough for me. You mentioned self, self-control apps. Are there any self-control apps that you recommend? I actually still use the app called Self-Control, um, where you can, you can block any number of websites. For me, frankly, it's the news these days. Um, but you can block any number of websites and they just, they just won't load. Super cool. I like it. I like it. So I think people may not understand who you are just by the overview that we gave. And I think... As I listen to you talk about the future of education, and then I look at your resume and the decisions that you made to get to this point, creating Thinkful and, and everything else that you've accomplished, helping people take control of their career, the thing that I keep repeating to myself is like, he was so right. He was so right. So like, tell people like what you did, like being like you, you had this glimmering, like, I'm going to go to Yale. I'm in Yale. You know, you dropped out of college. You, you became a Teal fellow. Like, talk about that type of a decision. Talk about maybe how your parents felt when you made the decision, you know, why you did that, like things like that. Talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, so I, I was doing my undergrad at Yale and I actually loved college. I think a lot of people look at those who drop out of college and, and think they must hate it or find it worthless, but I, I loved it. I met, uh, I met my wife there. Like it, it was great, but I, I felt antsy to a degree. I felt that. I kind of got the idea of what was happening and you know, I figured out how the whole class thing was working and I wanted to do something that was new and challenging. And the Teal Fellowship popped up. It was the first class. Peter Teal had just announced it. 
the program to pay 20 people a year to leave college and try to start companies or do something else. And, and he wanted to prove a point that capable people didn't need the degree, didn't need the certificate. There were other ways to find your path to success. And he's obviously done a number of controversial things. And so I won't speak to any of the others. But on this point, I think he was exactly right. I think it is 100% true that you don't need the degree, except in sort of uh, fields that require certification, which are an exception to this. But there are other ways to find your way to success. And the cost of the degree may not be worthwhile in a lot of cases. The What I felt, what my experience was, was the fellowship gave me the community and the support to take a risk I wanted to take, but wasn't necessarily comfortable doing on my own. I, like you mentioned, you know, parents are a big influence when I was 19, especially. And with my family and with my community at large, education is obviously a, a great value. And so when I mentioned this to them, they were not at first supportive and they wanted to hear out my thinking. But to their credit, they were willing to listen. It was not just a, it was not just a shouting fest. And I explained my thinking, which was that this was a risk I wanted to take. I was doing it with some support and, and some community. And the absolute worst case scenario was I would go back to college and I would just graduate a little bit older. And one of the things actually Jeff Bezos talks about is decisions that are reversible should be made much faster. If the consequences can be undone, it is not worth going too, too, too deep with analysis and spending too long because you can instead make the decision see the consequences and reverse it. And I was lucky enough that I talked to the college dean. I made sure if things went south and the fellowship didn't work out for me, I could go back. And so I said, let's do it. Let's give it a try. And about a year later, started Thinkful to some degree with a lot of those theses that people were going to college because they wanted better job prospects and a, and a better economic future. And what they were finding was classes that didn't necessarily advance what they were trying to do. Well, you, you just dropped yeah. a lot of bars right there. And, and something else that you mentioned earlier in the pre-chat is if, you, if Peter Thiel paid you to drop out of college alone, would you have done it? I probably would not have. There's a certain safety. I, I'd like to say that I would have. You know, I, think, I think that would have required three to five times as much courage as doing what I did. Having other people who are doing the same, including a very good friend of mine from college, made it much safer. You know, the, the fact that there were 19 others was probably half of it. The fact that there was one friend was the other half of it. Having one person that I could look to, that I could trust, we moved to New York together, that made it much more comfortable. Got it. So like community yeah. is important. And, That's why we got squads mm-hmm. inside of the career. Yeah. And, and for Archer, Ruben and I, like we also we we say that we were the original like before squads was even a thing the three of us like had each other so at least when we were moving across country to break into careers that none of us had experienced doing before we were like we can figure it out and it was a risk worth taking i love your point about reversible decisions i think people tend to overestimate risk but in reality a lot of the time if you already have, let's say, an existing career, you might be an accountant, or you might be a teacher or an industrial engineer or another profession, it will require you, if you quit your job to do a coding bootcamp so you can get a job into tech, 
the skills you had previously, they don't go away, right? So if you did have a previous career, and for a lot of Career Karma members, they're not just um, like out of college. They're people with their current careers who are looking to better and get into new careers. You can always go back to what you're doing before. You might have to apply for more jobs and you might have to go through that process again, which is uncomfortable, but it's always there. On the bright side, you have this new opportunity to do something that's interesting to you, that's challenging, but but also gives you financial security. How do you, in terms of risk, how do you view risk when it comes to making big life decisions? And you touched on a little bit about making sure that the decision is reversible. But what advice do you have for our community when it comes to risk and how they should think about it? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I personally know a lot of people who are risk averse, who are viscerally uncomfortable and it's, and it's really an emotional thing more so than a rational process, but who are viscerally uncomfortable with doing anything that even just looks risky. They, I think there's a sense of leaving what I have is, and you, you mentioned this is a, is a threat to my identity. You know, I'm a teacher, I'm an accountant. I have many friends who are teachers or many friends who are accountants. There's a community here. There's a safety here. And I don't know what's on the other side. I feel a little bit of dissatisfaction, but I don't know that on the other side, there's a community of programmers or data analysts. And there's a, there's a job pathway there that's more promising. So I think reversibility is, is one important principle. I think the, I think people just overestimate. I, I agree with your assessment. People overestimate the risk in general. I think that the one thing that Silicon Valley gets really, really right is growth opens up a ton of opportunities. And if you're in an area that's not growing, moving to an area that's growing tends to be lower risk. Um, and so even if that initial moment may be that way, I think we're, we overly focus on that initial risk and don't think about the five or the 10 year risk of being in a field where the, the job prospects are static or the kind of range of opportunities may be shrinking rather than growing. So I guess the, the other thing I see is people tend to focus on that first moment and that transition and less so on the five or the 10 year prospects, which is really the timeline over which we ought to be thinking. Awesome. Awesome. And, and so, so you made the decision, you ended Teal Fellowship. What are some of the biggest lessons that you learned during that class, either from some of the, the leaders in the, in the group, from some of the peers that you had in the group? Like, what are some of the biggest lessons that you learned there that you've taken with you into Thinkful? Yeah. So we, uh, one, one of the first and, and maybe funniest experiences that we had was 20 people applied to the fellowship. You applied with a specific idea and they were both evaluating the person and the idea that you were working on. And within probably three months of the fellowship starting, 19 of the 20 people were already working on a different idea. Um, It was a complete... It was not what they were expecting. They were a little bit thrown by it. They didn't know what to expect, but probably not that. It was not what any of us were expecting. We all thought we were working on great ideas. But as we made the switch from working on it on the side as a college idea and you know realistically not making a ton of progress in that way to we were working on it full time we were trying to get customers we were talking to partners we all found more and more issues with whatever it was we were working on and 
the lesson for me in that time was those who were flexible and adaptable were best able to roll with the punches. There were people who were kind of knocked down by that initial throwing out of the idea who went back to college a year later or who never really found that next idea to work on. And there were people who said, okay, well, that one didn't work and I'm on to the next one. And those who had the flexibility first and then the persistence second to just keep going, those are the people who have come out on the other side with startups that have been successful or careers that have been successful. Yeah. So with that flexibility and adaptability in mind for the people that have been hit by coronavirus and COVID-19 that are scared or concerned right now, what's, what's the advice, what's the playbook that they should do today in order to take control of their career and not be nervous and to have a comfort knowing and an ability to roll with the punches? What, what advice would you give for them? Yeah, absolutely. I guess I would say a few things. One is if you're stuck at home now, now truly may be the best moment for you. People are in all kinds of circumstances right now, but now is a moment where you may be legally required to do nothing but be at home for 14 waking hours a day. So if you, if you are in that position and there aren't kids running all over your face right now, <laughs> now may be the perfect moment where there is no opportunity cost for you. Um, and, and there's ways to do it that are free. There's ways to do it that are cheap. So absolutely, now's the time. The uh, now is is really it could not be a better moment for many people to take this risk and and to give it a try. And we've tried to do everything we can to make it as small of a risk by making it free and and giving you the option to defer tuition. Yeah, yeah. And on this podcast, we're really big on actions, and I'm sure a lot of people listening here are interested, or maybe it sparked their curiosity. But we really encourage you all to take action and join Career Karma. We actually have a few of our coaches who are current students of Thinkful. So not only will they help you like figure out what career path you should pursue, or like maybe you have questions about data science versus engineering or data science versus data analytics, they'll be able to help you with that. They're also a student in Thinkful. So they'll be able to tell you what it's like learning online. What is it like maybe having a when things go back to normal, what is it like having a part-time job and studying at the same time? So don't just uh, kind of like passively listen to this podcast. Go download Career Karma. Go check out Thinkful and schedule a session with your coach and uh, they'll help you figure out the next steps. Yeah. Um, and you'll probably find somebody when you download the app that's in your neighborhood. You may not even know it. I mean, even recording this podcast, we discovered that Dan and, and Arthur and Timor actually went to the same school. Talk about that real quick. Yeah. Shout out to Heschel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, th I think it's pretty one, cool. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say one more thing about um, what Arthur was saying about people joining our community and giving it a try. At the end of the day, like these courses are also fun. I just want to remind people that you might feel a little scared to jump into it because you're um, you've never learn data analytics or you never learned data science or engineering, but a lot of it is like solving puzzles and you're learning something new. You're learning how to use new tools. And for most of our community, the feedback that I hear the most is people in the first week or two have to struggle. But then after once you get past that the first two weeks, you actually look forward to spending time working on a fun project or building your personal web page 
because at the end of the day, it's very similar to drawing or playing a musical instrument where you just have to make it through the initial phase where you're just, you have to kind of admit you don't know anything about this new topic and you're just diving in. But then it actually becomes fun. And for many of you, since you have the option to do something for one month and to try it out, you could technically try out design and data science and then decide which one you like the most. So for people listening, the easiest thing for you to do is just to give it a shot. And uh, like Arthur said, download the app so you're not doing it by yourself. And at this point, I think this is a perfect segue into our lightning round. And for our podcast listeners, you know that this is the this is the place where we ask short questions, but we're looking for tactical answers, Dan, from you. If you can share specific strategies, resources, and advice to help our community get to where they are, to, where you are today, and being a founder of a coding bootcamp that has helped thousands of people learn, I think you probably have the most advice to share from what to do and what not to do. So with that said, Arthur, take it away. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think because of the special circumstances, we're going to modify the first question a little bit. We usually ask our guests, when you imagine that you're in a brand new city and you only have $100, so let's just modify it to say you're at home or you're locked down in some place and you only have $100, what would you do and how would you spend that $100 to get a job in tech? So... I would save the hundred bucks for food to make sure I'm well fed mm-hmm. and I would start learning today for free. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would start to take advantage of all the online networking opportunities that are popping up. Lots of online job fairs. Everything that was supposed to happen in person is moving virtual. So lots of ways to still meet people. Mm-hmm. See if you get that living stipend as well. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So the other question we'd like to ask is, um, so I'm a musician. I've been playing to tell us since I was four years old. You were in a jazz band. I mean, so, you know, music is therapy for a lot of people. So during these types of times, do you play any music that inspires you or gives you hope during a time like this? Yeah, I haven't been playing music, although I I mentioned before, I was trying to take back my childhood piano from my sister, maybe when this is all over. But I've definitely been listening to a lot of music and working to music almost all day. So we've got everything going here from you know, the, the Spotify deep focus playlist to rap caviar, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> trying to mix it up through the day. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And this one is a bit of a doozy, but if you could, um, especially now, if you could send out a tweet and the whole world can see it, what would that tweet say? Mm-hmm. Well, beyond stay safe and healthy, which is kind of the, the sign off of choice right now, it would be, I hope everyone is taking care of themselves and, and being well. Mm-hmm. I guess if I could sneak in a promotion, I'd, I'd link to our, our free offers. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, well, thank you for joining us. Do you have any, where do you see Thinkful in the next decade? Like what's your 2020 vision for yeah, Thinkful? Yeah, totally. 2030, right? Oh yeah. 20, 2030 vision. 2020. <laughs> we have 2020 vision for the 2030. Next decade. We are laser focused on bringing down the cost of education and doing everything we can to bring down prices while driving up the reliability and the quality of what we do. So what our vision would be that our programs cost half as much as they do today, if not even less. And while the rest of the education world is 
going up three to five percent a year, we're going down three to five percent a year, and uh, that we're sharing the risk with everybody, so that people can turn to Thinkful as a place that every time they're at an inflection point in their career, we're there to help just tick their trajectory upward a little bit. Love it. Beautiful. Yeah. And one more question. I don't think we got to ask Daryl that when he was on the podcast, but how did you guys come up with the name Thinkful? I have a very embarrassing email thread with a list of options that includes Thinkful. Uh, We read whatever that naming guide is. Is it Oscar? There's some kind of canonical naming guide that's out there on the internet and had a bunch of names. Fortunately, Thinkful is not coursedog.com, which was a possibility from that email thread. But it just popped out of my head and it was available. Got it. Got it. Yeah. This was a great way uh, for us to kind of highlight a lot of the stuff that you're doing and that you're offering to our community. I think Ruben was going to ask you, what is the best way for our community to stay in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Email me directly. I'm just dan at thankful.com. Easy to get to and should be fast to respond. Perfect, man. Well, thank you for your leadership, Gladiator leadership. Thank you for making it accessible, keeping the boots on the ground and giving people hope during this pandemic, which if you think about it, it's not so bad with people like you, man. Thank you for everything. And let's break in. Peace. Let's break in. Thank you guys. Let's break in. That career karma. Big fans. So have a good one. Be safe. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast, and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in. Let's break in.